when you're doing something for the first time, when the stakes are high, when it's an important meeting or presentation, when um, you're not sure what's going to happen, anxieties come up, or when there's actual real danger. Yeah, you're going to feel anxious, and it's one of the most universal emotions. It's a way to keep us safe. It's a way to protect us. It's a way to help us prepare for, for big things that are coming up. And it can sometimes become a problem. It's really when it starts to get in the way of your life, when it starts to become hard to do the things that you need to do in your day, when it starts to become hard to participate in work or school, get to work or school, spend time with your friends and family, uh, be able to fall asleep and stay asleep. It makes it hard for you to do what you need to do, or it's making it hard for you to really be present where you want to be. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 54. This podcast episode is brought to you by UHSM HealthShare, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current healthcare, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.uhsm.com. UHSM.com. Hey you, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast as we dive back into our Mental Health Basics series for Mental Health Awareness Month. That means that every week this month, we're clearly laying out how to identify the signs of common mental health challenges like depression, anxiety and panic attacks, bipolar and so on, and some of their common treatments and how to be supportive of ourselves and those around us who may be severely struggling with any one of these things. So, we're having some basic psychoeducation this month, hopefully as another tool in your tool belt of resources for understanding mental health. And today we're talking all about anxiety and the spectrum of anxiety conditions. And I was so honored to have this conversation with Dr. Ali Matu. We're talking about the common symptoms of anxiety and when anxiety becomes so severe that it would be considered diagnosable. We're talking about the different types of anxiety diagnoses that exist and some of their defining factors factors, also factors that might make someone more at risk of developing severe anxiety. We definitely had to touch on what a panic attack is, and Dr. Matu gives some really great practical tips for what can help in the moment. And for those of you who haven't yet been blessed by the content and work that Dr. Matu is doing, to give you a little background, Dr. Ali Matu creates mental health and psychology media that is fun, easy to understand, and free to all. Through YouTube, he teaches a global audience how to use psychological science to achieve their goals. He's also the clinical lead of Loop, a really cool new mental health startup that's making self-care social through small group real-time audio 
hangouts. And for a bit of clinical background, Dr. Matu has spent a decade treating panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, OCD, phobias, and a number of other conditions using cognitive behavioral therapy. And what's really awesome is that he's created over 150 videos for his YouTube channel, The Psych Show, which you have to check out. And it's been seen over 3.5 million times. And he's the co-host of PBS's Self-Evident, an expert on Netflix and Vox's The Mind Explained on anxiety, HBO's Doctor Documentaries, and A&E's The Employables. He's been interviewed by The New York Times, appeared on BuzzFeed, MTV, CBS, NBC, and PBS, and he's kind of just been all over the place, which is really awesome. Not to mention, he is a UCLA alumni, go Bruins, and received his PhD in clinical psychology from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. He was also formerly an assistant professor at Columbia University Irving Medical Center in New York City. Dr. Matu hails from the San Francisco Bay Area, and needless to say, I have become a big fan of the space he's created in the mental health world. So you guys are in for a treat. And without further ado, here is my conversation on anxiety with Dr. Ali Matu. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode as we continue our Mental Health Basics series. Today we're talking all about anxiety. Um, and I have, I couldn't think of a better guest than Ollie. Anxiety is his jam. I mean that in like the best <laughs> way possible, but I'm so glad you're here. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. I've been uh, excited to talk to you. Yeah. All week long. This is like, <laughs> yeah, it's my jam. It's my life. It's my career. It's it's uh, it's something I'm always super passionate to talk about. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. I feel the same way. I was just so excited to have you. I know we have so many mutual friends and I was sharing with you earlier that the way I got connected with you is actually through Dr. Ramsey and Dr. Manipod, who have both been on this podcast and you did a panel with them on the intersection of like social media and mental health. And I know that's a whole other conversation and there are so many things I want to talk to you about, but um, today we're talking about anxiety. So. Yeah, and, and it's it's um such a small world and such great people um yeah and um just yeah no it's um yeah so let's do it let's uh yeah whoa whoa, whoa. Uh, I could like, spend all day you're gonna know. have to rate you're gonna have to rein me in uh Brittany because I I can spend all day talking about this no I'm feeling the energy I'm loving it already this is gonna be a great conversation so for starters. I am blown away by you. You have this awesome YouTube channel called The Psych Show that you've been doing for a while where you just lay out everything about mental health to the everyday person and you've taken this career that can be sometimes very behind closed doors and uh, very private and very, I don't even know how to explain it, but you've made it accessible to the everyday person. And so just for those who aren't totally familiar with you, could you just give us a brief background on what got you here and what led you to everything that you're doing with psychology and media? Well, it all started on this very cold and stormy night in 1983. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I, uh, I grew up as an anxious kid, and I didn't realize it was anxiety until way later when I was in college. So I, I had undiagnosed selective mutism as a kid, which I only realized was selective mutism when I was in grad school and started 
treating kids. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that was me. Wow. Um, that turned into social anxiety. It also turned into some depression and um, psychology ended up becoming this thing that helped me understand my life and helped me to um, just understand that it's, it's not that I was weird or strange or different or bizarre, but you know, I was experiencing these things and there's a lot of reasons why part of it was being the only brown kid in all the classes I was in, you know, cultural, yeah, right. There's so many layers to it. And, you know, anxiety runs my family. My mom was really anxious. So for me, I, um, I had a really amazing high school teacher, Miss Georgiana Hayes, and I took public speaking with her accidentally. I thought it was going to be a class where we just study famous public speeches. I had no idea we'd have to give them. Otherwise, this anxious kid would have never enrolled in that class. But I found out years later, what she was doing was the basics of exposure therapy for anxiety. Like small steps forward in facing your fears, learning how to cope with them. And so when I was in college, all this stuff sort of came together. I was studying psychology. I realized the stuff Miss Hayes taught me in high school was exposure therapy. And I wanted to do this for other people. And the more I, once I became a psychologist, uh, got my PhD, um, was working in an academic medical center, treating people, training people, all that stuff. I got really frustrated with the number of people I could treat in a week, the number, the all the barriers of insurance and cost and yeah. stigma. And so I, I wanted to do something different. And I was complaining to my wife about this one day. And she's like, well, why don't you just like make a YouTube video about that? And I was like, you can't do that. You can't just make a YouTube video. And she's like, that's literally what people do. They just make stuff and put it on there. So that is kind of how we got to here is um, I just want to I want to give away what I know in the hopes of reaching that young kid Mm -hmm. who didn't know what was going on, didn't have access, didn't have the words to describe it. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to like basically do time travel and help my younger self out, I think. Yeah. I just, I think your story is phenomenal. And, you know, I think one of the reasons I connected so well with you is I feel like a kindred spirit, like a very, very like spirit. Um, And and I think that you also give hope to those who are listening who may struggle with mental health challenges or have their whole life, but are also really interested in helping others and getting into psychology and just showing that it's possible. And I know you just recently did a video on, you know, can I suffer or struggle with mental health challenges and still become a psychologist or a therapist, right? And the answer is yes, there are ways to move through that. Um, yeah. So I think that's so inspiring. I know. I'm telling you, I, you, I like stalk you. I, I, I watch all your stuff. <laughs> I'm your biggest fan. Let it be known. Oh, it's, um, it's, it's so nice to talk to someone else who actually like, like actually I was going to say in person, we're not talking in person. We're like, it feels, we're, like, it a little bit. It feels like it. Yeah. And like, we so rarely get to have these conversations, you know? Yeah. So I just appreciate this opportunity. And, and yeah, the, the answer to that is yes. And, and the secret is a lot of us have, are in this field because it means something to us. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's through our, we have have had personal experience yeah. uh, or family members, or there's a reason why we were, we're so passionate. It's a, it's a tough line of work. Mm-hmm. And many of us are motivated by uh, deep, 
passions of, of wanting to make a difference for for some personal reason. So yeah, answer is yes. Um, and yeah, that video goes into details about about why. Yes, be sure to check out his YouTube channel in the link in the show notes. And all of that being said, as we're talking about anxiety, anxiety for me was one of those things that I didn't realize I was living with. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. That's something you kind of mentioned, where it was just like I was constantly living on edge. I was waiting for something terrible to happen. I never allowed myself to feel too much joy or feel too much expectation because you're just constantly in this fear. Um, and so that being said, you know, you know, occasionally experiencing some level of anxiety is it's something that happens to all of us. It's a part of the human experience. But what are the common signs and symptoms of when anxiety might be really severe or something to pay more attention to and, you know, get help for that it might be diagnosable? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Brittany, and I think that's a great place for us to start talking about this because anxiety is so common. It is, it, uh, one of my mentors, Charlie Mansueto, told me, anxiety is nature's way. When <laughs> you're doing something for the first time, when yeah. you're doing something you haven't done in a long time, when the stakes are high, when it's an important meeting or presentation, when um, you're not sure what's going to happen, anxieties come up, or when there's actual real danger. Yeah, you're going to feel anxious. And it's one of the most universal emotions beyond humans, like other animals experience anxiety, experience fear. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's a way to keep us safe. It's a way to protect us. It's a way to help us prepare for, for big things that are coming up. And it can sometimes become a problem. So to answer your question, when does it become a problem? It's really when it starts to get in the way of your life, yeah. when it starts to become hard to do the things that you need to do in your day, when it starts to become hard to participate in work or school, get to work or school, spend time with your friends and family, uh, be able to fall asleep and stay asleep, uh, these kinds of things, or you can go through that stuff. But boy, does it cause you a lot of distress. Yeah. Hard for you. Maybe maybe you can be in the kind of places you need to be, but you're you're mentally not there. You're you're so focused on what's going on inside your body or your thoughts are racing. You're you're having a hard time focusing. You're forgetting details. All of that kind of stuff can make it difficult for you to really be present. So it, it makes it hard for you to do what you need to do, or it's making it hard for you to really be present where you want to be. I really love that explanation because I think it covers this whole spectrum. And when we talk about mental health, we commonly talk about it as it as a spectrum. You know, we all experience some level of anxiety um, that really is our body preparing us to take on something new or different. But then it's when it becomes so severe that it's impairing our functioning and we are not able to show up for our lives um, and do just basic functional things um, that it, it's worth getting help for um, and talking more about. Now, and when we're talking about anxiety, there are all these different types of anxiety that are recognized in the, you know, DSM-5 that are recognized as diagnosable. So I'd love it if you could briefly share with us um, what are some of the different types of anxiety diagnoses that exist and what are their defining factors? 
Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the sign up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. There's so many, uh, and uh, I I I, <laughs> I love talking about this stuff. So so rain me and Brittany, if I go off the rails here, because I could I could talk about this forever. I'm ready. I've got my uh, coffee. I'm here for it. <laughs> We're ready. Um, so w- w- one of the most um, uh, I, I think one of the most physical uh, forms of anxiety is is panic, um, panic disorder, and this is when people. Uh, feel intense physical symptoms. They might have a hard time breathing. They might feel chest pain. Their heart is racing. They're sweating. Um, they might feel distress in their stomach. They're, all of the physical symptoms of anxiety are really heightened. And people feel like they're they're losing control. They might feel like they need to get out of a situation. Yeah. When that starts to play, into panic that becomes agoraphobia this this desire to escape and get out and try to control this so that's that's panic where you feel like you're losing control of these physical symptoms and sometimes panic gets mixed in with agoraphobia uh, agoraphobia where you feel the need to escape we also have um other forms of anxiety that are uh, kind of the opposite. They're less about physical um, and they're much more about um, mental. So Mm -hmm. uh, generalized anxiety disorder, 
is a problem where people have a really hard time with worries. People might um, have a hard time worrying about uh, daily routines, finances, the future, my family, um, the commute, finding parking, all of this kind of stuff. One of my patients described it as it's sort of like the constant background noise that you have a hard time turning off is this this worrying and it might lead you to do a lot of reassurance seeking asking friends and family if you're asking friends and family for a lot of reassurance but also looking on the internet you're googling things a lot yeah yeah you're looking up all these symptoms right so that's that's generalized anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. uh and, and, and generalized anxiety can also have physical symptoms. People feel a lot of muscle tension and they f- just they feel tense all the time. Um, another thing that kind of blends the two is something called um, the obsessive compulsive spectrum of, of problems. This is when people have a very hard time getting a thought or an image out of their head and they might feel compelled to do things over and over again until it feels right. Um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder is the most uh, famous one of those, but there's related problems like hoarding as well as is uh, when you have a hard time getting rid of, of belongings. And then there's my favorite, my life story here, uh, social anxiety. There we go. Uh, it's ding, when, ding. Yeah, boom, let's, t- yeah, like, that's the oh one. man, that's, it's, yeah, uh, this is my jam. Um, this is where people get really concerned about evaluation and being judged by others. And usually people thinking that, um, people worrying that, um, others judge them to be stupid, strange, weird, dumb, all that sort of stuff, uh, related to, and social anxiety can play out so many different ways, Brittany. It can be about public speaking. It can be about making new friends. It can be about dating. It can be about going to a public restroom. Um, so many ways in which it can play out. Related to that is selective mutism, which usually happens as kids, also my jam. This is where kids don't talk in certain situations. Um, selective mutism sounds like a superpower, like the X-Men. Okay. No, it's it's like someone press mute on you in, in certain situations. And then we also have uh, the grab bag category of phobias. Yeah. This is where you have a intense fear of, um, could be of anything. Could be of animals, of needles. That's coming up a lot as people are talking, uh, as as healthcare has is been big in the news right now. Um, it could be needle phobia. It can be animals. It can be insects. It could be situations like heights or um, boats, open water. Um, it could be about clowns. Um, I had one person who I treated for apostophobia. Um, the, you know, it's, it can be so many different things. So I think that captures yeah. a lot. There's, there's more, there's separation anxiety. There's, there's a lot of stuff we could get into, but that covers some, some of the, the big uh, heavy yeah. hitters there. That was so concise. Like, I'm very impressed. Thank you for for sharing all of that. And it really is a wide spectrum, you know, of areas that can fall into anxiety and anxiety diagnoses are the number one, I think, mental health disorder in the world. So it's, it's, again, like, if it were that easy to not be anxious, then nobody would be anxious. There's, there's obviously more going on. Um, and so that being said, is there anything that might make someone more at risk of developing severe anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a great question. Um, 
when you, when we think about temperament, um, temperament usually people think about in terms of like anger. But if we define it a little bit more broadly, like how intensely you feel different emotions, a, a lot of that is like genetic. Um, some people are born just with the volume turned up on anxiety, and some people are born with the volume turned down on it. I've got friends who are more thrill seeker type of people. They're the first ones to like jump into a situation without thinking about it, right? I'm like, wow, okay, you are not anxious. Um, and then there's people who are more like me, like, ah, I'm gonna like tiptoe into this. Like, yeah. uh, I'm not sure. I'm gonna let all of you do this first. You know, yeah. and, and like societies work best when you got a good mixture of both people. Yeah. Like we need, we need all people on these different teams, um, people who are more anxious and people who are less anxious. So part of it is biology, how intensely you feel these different emotions. Part of it, Brittany, is also life experiences. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, my, my mother-in-law was bit by a dog when she was very young. Mm -hmm. And as a result, she's had this dog phobia uh, for her entire life. Her motivation to overcome that phobia is pretty low, but because she can easily avoid dogs. Right. But um, you can understand if she had a if she had a neighbor who had a big dog, maybe this um, this experience she had and this phobia she has, maybe then it becomes more of a problem, right? So life experience plays into plays into this, what's happened in your life, but also like the context of your life. Like if you have a shark phobia, but you live in Kansas, like- Probably be okay. You'd probably be okay, right? <laughs> but if you're in Hawaii, um, there's a lot of open water. And so maybe it would be more limiting. So life experience, context makes a difference here. But then also the skills you've learned. Um, I just, I, a big part of my, what made my social anxiety worse is my family moved schools when mm -hmm. we were in second to third grade, when I was in second to third grade. And I just didn't know how to make new friends. Like I had my friends in elementary school that I was always just around, but I didn't know like, what's a kid supposed to do to form new friendships. And so I just didn't have the skills. So that's that's actually an example where, yeah, I was loaded for anxiety. My temperament, my volume was turned up on anxiety. I went through a new life experience where we were moving and I didn't have the skills to help me cope with it. So all that stuff came together. Um, so, and we can get into more stuff like how trauma impacts things and all of that. Right. But I think that's kind of like a, like a, um, you know, it's, it's a cop. I'm Brittany. I'm giving you the cop out mental thing answer. It's a little bit of everything. A little bit. And that's so true though. And, and this is why we say like, it's just, it's a part of the human experience, right? Like you are not your anxiety. You are a human being who's experiencing anxiety for all of these factors yep. that are completely understandable. I think it's totally understandable that your mother-in-law would fear dogs after being bit. And that's a traumatic experience. And at least in my personal life, I witnessed that and a lot of the anxieties that I have had have come from traumatic experiences where your body is just going into self-protective mode. It recognizes this type of danger and it's like, warning, warning, you know, um, and 
it, it can be related to these traumatic experiences. But something that you mentioned earlier that your teacher kind of unintentionally did was help you overcome some of that social anxiety through public speaking. And the irony of anxiety is that in overcoming it, kind of the key to overcoming it is facing the thing that you fear, which is the exact thing that we're trying to stay away from. So uh, that being said, what are some of the common treatments for anxiety for the person who's listening? And they're like, this anxiety, it's debilitating my life. I'm worried I'm always going to live this way. Is there any hope for me that's real, that are real solutions? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned it before that anxiety is um, one of the most common problems in mental health. And the good news here is it's also highly treatable. There's a lot of different options of, of what can help people with anxiety. And the first part of it is really understanding what you're dealing with. Um, there, there have been so many times when I've worked with someone who is saying, you know, what is happening to me? I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I walk them through, oh, you're experiencing panic disorder. Or, oh, you have OCD. Um, you have this or you, that, you have that. So the first thing is as much as you can learn about what's going on, about why it's going on, and um, and how your body is reacting in a in a very natural way. You know, yeah. people often worry that a panic attack uh, might be a heart attack, yeah. and then when they can kind of understand some of the uh, some of the differences that your body is when you're experiencing panic, your body is actually doing what it's built to. Right. You're not harming your body. This is your body going into defense mode. It is. It is protective. It's not that different from intense exercise, what your body is doing, you know? So as much as you can try to understand it so that the experience itself is not creating more anxiety, right? Like I, I was just responding to some YouTube comments and someone wrote, um, what gives me anxiety is thinking about my anxiety and thinking my anxiety is going to get worse by thinking about it. And right. it's like, yeah, I think that's like so it's much cool. what happens. Yeah. Right, it's so typical. Yeah, 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 totally. Like for me, the big remnants of my social anxiety now is whenever I'm in a room with people like you and I want to ask a question for, uh, with my colleagues, yeah, I get my heart starts racing. It, it's like going to burst out of my chest. And that's when I go, oh, I'm anxious. This always happens when I want to ask colleagues questions. Yeah. Um, and so, okay. I know this is going to go down as soon as I start talking. It does. You just start speaking. It totally right. does. Then it right. resides. Yeah. Right. So you got to understand your anxiety. That's step one. Step two is about um, not fighting it and trying to understand what's it telling you. Sometimes are uh, we might and uh, we might be experiencing stress, fear, anxiety for a good reason. So let's try to understand what our anxiety is communicating to us and also remember that your thoughts might be scary and at the same time your thoughts are not dangerous. Your your thoughts are just thoughts. And when you're anxious, your thoughts are going to go to an anxious place. That's just that's what anxiety does. It's wired to do that. So let's try to understand, is it giving you any useful information or is it just going in anxiety land and this is just what, what it does? So try to understand if it is telling you anything important or not. And then step three is trying to make, if it's something important to you, 
trying to make contact with the thing you're afraid of so you can learn from it. The thing anxiety does, it really makes you want to avoid the situation completely. Right. And we can't learn new information until we make contact with it. So I'll use my mother-in-law for as an example. Uh, don't tell her I'm using her as an example. But uh, <laughs> um, if she wanted to approach her fear of dogs, um, we would need to start with like really friendly small dogs. Mm -hmm. And because there's so many skills she has to learn. How do you act around a dog? How do you um, how do you interact with the dog in a way that it doesn't scare the dog? And so the dog is friendly too. Like when people avoid these things, they also don't know how to deal with them. Like there, there's a way to interact with dogs that people who have anxiety about dogs have just never learned. So maybe that means um, you need to work with someone who... Uh, a friend or family member who loves dogs and knows a lot about them and take small steps to learn how to, how to deal with this. And then with that, um, whatever helps you cope, like whatever helps you to be in that situation, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a prayer, maybe it is um, um, watching a video beforehand and seeing how other people do it. There's so many ways to cope and finding what works for you and what works for you might be might be uh, different uh, from time to time. And if all else fails, or, or if this seems really overwhelming, that's the time to really see a professional. And sometimes they'll be able to walk you through this treatment. Um, there's a, a number of cognitive behavioral treatments that are very effective at treating anxiety. And then sometimes it's about medication. Medication is really helpful in bringing the anxiety down so that you can do some of this work by yourself or making um, therapy a bit easier to, to do on your own, um, especially for people who have gone through a lot or are very wired for anxiety. Medication can be uh, an amazing option to make all of this stuff um, more, uh, more tolerable for you. Yeah, it's like your body is being hijacked. You know, we kind of have that amygdala hijacking and it's so hard. It's hard to process things when you are in that uh, hyperactive state or that on alert state. So if you can have something that at least helps um, settle down the body so that you can process clearly with the mind and obviously medication is great. And then there are also just some great somatic practices out there that are helpful, oh, yes. like deep breathing. And, and, and on that note, something that you talk a lot about are panic attacks. And I definitely wanted to bring this out because it's one of the most common things that comes out. And, and once I learned about panic attacks, then I, everyone around me was sharing that they were experiencing panic attacks. Yes. And like you said, yes. it's so scary. People think that they're having a heart attack or they feel like they're going to die. Um, but their body is wired. Our bodies are wired to come down. Thank God. It might take a little time. But for the person who's listening, um, could you briefly describe what is a panic attack and what are some ways that someone can help cope through a panic attack? Yeah, a, a panic attack is a sudden rise in all of those anxiety symptoms that, that occur. And uh, that might be a racing heart, sweating, uh, feeling butterflies in your stomach, uh, feeling lightheaded, a rush of blood, cold, uh, cold shivers, hot flashes, 
uh, feeling like a, a tingling sensation, you're feeling numb, um, all of those physical things, um, a number of them are rising really quickly and it might feel like it's unexpected or it might be linked to certain situations. Like some people get them when they're going over bridges or tunnels and that, that becomes a bit more agoraphobia and feeling like you have to escape. But is, it is a sudden rise in several physical symptoms that is very scary. Yeah. And yeah, Brittany, as you're saying, the first thing to realize is your body's built for this. And it is something that will come down with time. Um, so a little bit of knowledge can be helpful. And th there's a number of things that, that um, I like to teach people that are just uh, quick things that might be helpful. So one is grounding skills. So a lot of time when people are experiencing panic, um, it, it, they might feel less plugged into their body. They might feel less grounded like physically just grounded in here on earth. Right. Um, so grounding skills are things that help you to feel grounded in your, in yourself or in your space that you are in. My favorite one is five, four, three, two, one. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, yeah, I, I feel like everyone, uh, uh, everybody in mental health knows this skill and I, I love it. Yeah. It's so, yeah, I use, I use it all the time uh, myself. Like I use it all the time. So it's when you are looking at five different things in your environment, um, you are touching five different things, five different kind of surfaces around you. You're listening to three different sounds. You're picking up on two different smells and you're noticing the taste in your mouth. So the five is referring to your five senses. You're kind of going down and, and, and doing, um, it's easier to look at stuff a little bit uh, it's still easy to touch different things, a little bit harder to notice sounds, much more harder to notice smells and taste. You know, you don't have as many options. So that's why taste is one. Uh, and, and what this does is it, it helps you to get plugged into the, the here and now. Um, a lot of folks I work with, they like one of the senses better than others. So yeah, if one really works for you, go for that. You can just do all five. If, if you're all about vision, then sure. Um, look at for you can look at five different colors and be like okay i'm going to look at red let me find something that's red okay i'm going to look for green you know you can you can customize it, experiment with it see what works um sometimes um other types of grounding can be very helpful so um people might really like uh feeling um grounded in sounds or music um rituals can be really helpful for people too um being really grounded in in a prayer or a mantra a saying these kind of things can really help people as well and then sometimes people can get grounded by making a list i had um a patient of mine who loved the grounding skill of making making a list of all of her favorite superheroes she just kind of run through that list in her head and um the key thing for making lists is lists that aren't easy to complete lists that can keep going so like my favorite songs or places in the world i want to visit or my favorite places in my community mm. stuff like that so um grounding skills like that can help um one more quick tip I want to share, because this is one a lot of folks don't know, is the dive reflex. Um, the dive reflex is it's something that every vertebrae on this planet shares in common. And that is when your body thinks you are diving into water 
it triggers the parasympathetic nervous system, the part of your nervous system that calms you down, that gives you all those um, chill vibes. Um, it's the opposite of anxiety. And it's a survival mechanism built to help us be underwater longer. Um, the cool thing is you don't need to go dive into the water to do this. Um, I've got a video on my YouTube channel that walks you through how to do this. But basically, you can just for a few seconds, you can submerge your face, the sort of um, area under your nose and around your eyes in water and just hold your breath for about 15 to 30 seconds. And it's usually enough to trigger the drive reflex, which really calms your body down fast. You don't want to do this if you have a heart condition because it does calm your body down really quickly. So if you're someone who has a heart condition, talk to your doctor about this first. But um, it's, a, it's an amazing skill that um, it, it comes to us from a treatment called dialectical behavior therapy. And mm -hmm. it's, it's an amazing way to quickly, the fastest way I've learned to calm down your body. Related to that, anything that gets your body chemistry changing, physical activity. Um, you mentioned deep breathing, Brittany. That's that's wonderful. Progressive muscle relaxation is another skill. Mm -hmm. Anything that changes your body chemistry really quickly is probably going to help with panic too. Thank you for all of this. That was super practical, <laughs> something that just the everyday person can do. And um, what I, I just want to pull out and highlight again is that your body is wired for this. It's wired to come down. I think that there's a fear that you'll get stuck like in the panic attack, but um, you are not going to get stuck in your panic attack. And um, they last, I think, at a peak of maybe around 10 minutes. Um, and is if that's, I believe that's right. And then start coming back down. So it, it it's about like kind of just riding the wave almost in yeah. a way um yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a scary wave it's, a it, scary, it's, it's more of like a tsunami <laughs> right 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 and and time feels very weird when you're yes. anxious you know your, your yes. eyes dilate and it it feels like time is slowing down so the 10 15 20 minutes of a panic attack might feel like way longer right um but that's that's when you can ground yourself and and grounding yourself might also mean like listening to a podcast or calling a friend. You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of different ways to help you ride out that wave. Amen. That's so wonderful. You know, in wrapping up, because I know that we could talk about this forever. Um, we're definitely going to have to have more conversations about this. But is, do you have any encouragement for just anyone who's listening and they have been struggling severely with anxiety? They've been looking for answers and they just feel kind of encouraged by this episode. Yeah. So I would say that you are not alone. A lot of people experience exactly what you are going through. And I would say as much as you can, connecting with a community that gets it would be my first step. And whether that means a community that's online uh, there's a lot of really wonderful online communities. There's a lot of great support groups for people who have anxiety, both online and, um, and offline as well, uh, or finding a, a friend or family member who might have also gone through their own anxiety journey, connecting with them, sharing your story, um, and getting their support because you need you need encouragement and love 
and um, check-ins and accountability and other people are going to be one of the best ways to to really get that and if you're if you're saying well no one my no I don't have a friend or family member who's experienced this yeah you do you just don't know it like statistically I could promise you there is someone in your life who's experienced this so either finding more formal support through some type of group or community or um, a friend or family member that would be the first place I would start that's really, really wonderful. And I can vouch for, for all of those things, just being connected um, and it being in the light that you don't have to go through it alone because when you're in your head about it, you just feel like, am I going crazy? You know, and you're not, you're not, and um, you're not the only one. And so you're worthy of that support and that love and belonging. So thank you so much for spending your time with us and laying this out and joining us for our mental health basics series. How can everyone who's listening stay connected with the work that you're doing? And trust me, you guys, you, if you enjoy all the type of things we talk about on here, you're gonna wanna follow Ali. Oh, thanks, Brittany. Um, well, I'm at Ali Matu on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I do, I, I share as much as I can over there, but the, the big place to find me is on YouTube at The Psych Show. I've got a video called Quick Ways to Reduce Anxiety. I've got a video about um, a guide on how to overcome anxiety. I've got a, um, a video also on how to stop panic attacks. And so those would be the three big videos I would suggest to anyone who's interested in this. And um, I did an episode on uh, Netflix for Mind Explained um, on anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> so that one is also a good deeper dive. If anyone wants to watch that, um, the Mind Explained Anxiety on Netflix would be great. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We are going to link all of that in the show notes um, and continue to follow along in our Mental Health Basics series for Mental Health Awareness Month. Until next time.